They're taking Cherubin parts strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So I've got this monster rocket in my left hand and the lighter in my right, and I'm thinking, what could possibly go wrong, you know? Smith! Oh, oh bloody hell! More! Tim? Tim? Where the bloody hell is he on? Get your bums in the boat! Sorry, big fella, it looks like it's going to be bum singular today. And get on with it! Oh, yeah, right, eh, right, eh? Hang on a sec. Right, good to go. G'day fishers and welcome aboard the Tinny as we prepare for the sensory delights, the sensory jewel delights, as the reek of cordite wafts around the top end. It hand in hand with the sound of joyous children released from the draconian purgatory of school to run around in bare feet and climb trees and throw rocks and let off crackers and catch fish and jump in creeks and do all the things that kids should do when they're not being held in the draconian misery that is our school system. That's right, it's Territory Day and it's school holidays. It's the dry season and life is pretty bloody good, particularly if you're a school children or a school child even. I am a little bit solo. Timmy's left left me alone and whimpering like a dog at a boat ramp. He's off uh, once again indulging his fetish uh, for enameled teaspoon collection. There's a large conference being held uh, in country Victoria. He's taken his uh, prize collection. He loves Bernie. Bernie in Tasmania has a, quite a resplendent range of enamelled teaspoons uh, produced between 1947 right up until 1995 when the enamelling factory went out of business and basically most of the people who collect enamelled teaspoons died. But there's still some diehards around. Timmy's down there waving the territory flag in his place. Someone, well, uh, Tim's shoes aren't all that big to fill. In fact, he never wears shoes. But Rocky Edwards has joined me in the fray in the tinny. G'day, Rocky. How are you, mate? I'm really good, and I'm filling in while Timmy's spooning. Yeah, he's spooning. He's spooning. You've, uh, yeah, slithered yourself in the door while he's spooned off into rural Victoria. He's doing the territory proud. He won't be letting off any crackers down there, though. No, well, look, and I've, I'm very delighted to be here, and thanks, because the last day or two I've been following you around, and I've been sniffed up by a dog. I've had um, been bribed with biscuits, um, you know, and, of course, you know, the... 
The corridors of the ABC, well, anything could happen. Uh, you're lucky you only got sniffed up by a dog. I've had multiple uh, like intrusions on my leg. Over the years, doing the rounds of the birds. What do we got coming up? You're driving the bus well, today, Rock. What I do we am, got coming up? I am, and I was about to interject because the dogs are out, the bickies are out, and the school kids are out. So I think that this week's show should be about where to take the uh, the school kids on their holidays, where to go camping, where to, where to, where to occupy them, where to go. And where's and the, the best occupation for kids when you're camping is, of course? It's it's. Fishing. fishing. It's fishing. And also, we'll catch up with our regular legends and losers. <laughs> In inverted commas. Stay with us. Glad to have you on board, Rock. It's Tales from the Tinny. It wasn't until I got a good bit of pilly on my hands that took the edge off it. It's all out. sort of hanging around a bit. And I just couldn't see anything. Like It just faded to black. Tales from the Tinny. Peak dry season, the holidays beckon for those with kids or schoolies or those lucky enough to be able to coordinate their holidays with the kids' holidays. And what better in the top end than a turn of camping, Rocky? Does it get oh. better? Is it? Is there anything better than camping in the no. dry season in the top end? No, you, there is nothing better than being like in a tent. And sometimes we didn't use the canvas bit. We just had, you know, the, the mesh tent sort of deal going on. You know, the old Arnhem mesh tents. They're simple. Yes, just throw them up and sleep in them and they were divine. They... And guaranteed no rain, but maybe some condensation. <laughs> but that's part of the fun. Warren DeWitt, how are you, mate? Prime camping weather down your part of the world. Maybe a bit uh, cooler than up here. Yeah, it's not too bad, actually, at the moment, Rob. G'day, Rocky. Um it's actually warmed up. The weather's changed a little bit in the last uh, three or four days, and we've had actually a fair bit of cloud uh, come through on Tuesday. So to me, it looks like an ideal time this weekend to get out and have a crack. And obviously with the full moon on the rise at the moment, we've got a full moon on Thursday night, the billabongs are going to be worth a fish during the night time. I reckon they'll work really well. And up in the freshwater section of either the daily, the Vic or the Roper would be worth a fish during the day. So there's our days and nights occupied. When are we going to sleep, Warren? <laughs> well, we'll be too busy letting the firecrackers on the first one. We? So we, we need to take a few of them out bush with us when we go and just be careful you don't start too many bushfires, people. But, yeah, it'll be a, an interesting time, I suppose, on Sunday night with um, cracker night going off as well. So there might be some um, nice, spectacular uh, fireworks displays out in some of the billabongs even. Mm. So uh, night fishing on the billabongs, Warren, you can usually depend on the wind dropping off. What's the technique? How does it differ to during the day? Obviously, surface lures, that's what you first try. And maybe in the early in the afternoon, if you're already on the water before sunset and that, you can certainly use your shallow to medium running lures first of all, or soft plastics, just to see if there is any fish around. And obviously, if you mark any fish on your sounder, uh, just try and remember that spot and come back and try it during the evening when the moon comes up. And you'll start to see whether those fish become active or not. Because sometimes I'll just sit there waiting for that opportunity to feed. And it may be the moon that triggers them into that feeding pattern. And if there's a lot of bait around as well, if you see some bait working or up on the surface at any places in the billabongs or any of the up in the freshwater section, it'd be worth just going back there and try it periodically during the night time to see whether those fish come on to bite and start chasing that food. 
I found, Warren, that um, on, on corroboree in particular, night fishing, that trolling has been really, really good. Seven or eight o'clock or just after it's got dark, I find that they're on the bite then and, and trolling, you know, like big asses and stuff like that has been really, really lucrative and you're getting fish into, I think the last one I got was an 88. Yeah, well, uh, no, that's right. So there's a number of techniques you can put into play and, and obviously try them all. When you're trawling, make sure you give your rod a good flick and, and work your lure as much as you can or make it look as silly as you can, I suppose, to the fish so that they, in the end they just get so annoyed with it they'll probably come out and attack it more than likely. So it's a matter of just experimenting and just finding out what's working on the day or the night. And nine times out of ten you can go back the next night and it won't be the same theory. So you just need to be prepared to, to change it up if you need to to try and find what is working at that particular time in the moon phase or, or the particular time of night. Now, big tides and big moons are this weekend coming up. Uh, when we lose the moon in a week's time in the holidays or so, the technique changes? Oh, it'll, it will a little bit. You'll sort of go on to your neat tides during the early part of July now. So you'll have ideal trolling opportunities, you know, like in the daily. And I'm getting some really interesting reports from the daily of Big Barra being caught using those 200 big ass. Uh, Rocky was talking about trawling down there at the moment. So there's one bloke got a metre 20 and a metre 19 in the last couple of days down there. So there's some good fish still to be had um, in the daily. And the same down on the Vic. It's been fishing particularly well as well. And I was talking to a bloke the other day who said that he went down on the big tides and he's witnessed the same sort of fishing pattern as what happens on the daily in between Sandy Island and Pelican Point. When the tide's pushing in fairly hard, you get this current line running up the middle and there were mullet just surfing up on that tide and barrow in, in amongst them just feeding on them. So it would be worth this weekend with the bigger tides on trying that down on the on the Vic too if you've got the opportunity to be down there. That's in amongst uh, a lot of the, like the, the crap that gets washed up as well. So you're snagging up a bit but can pay off. Yeah, it can, but on the Vic you don't get that bamboo and stuff like that because the Vic's pretty devoid of any vegetation or any major structure along the sides of the banks because it's such a sandy soil base down there, so everything gets washed away pretty quickly. So the current line will mainly be just bubbles or, or just froth coming up and down as the tide pushes in and out, so you don't really have so much trouble. And it's something that hasn't been tried on the Vic. I've always thought about it and thinking, why, if it doesn't work, if it works on the daily, why doesn't it work on other river systems that have got the narrowing down effect that you have, say, between, like I said, Sandy Island and Pelican Point, where you get the, the river shortening up in its banks and, and pushing fairly hard through there, and then the mullet have to be congregated a little bit and barra find it much easier, I suppose, to feed on those fish when they are sort of herded up a bit closer together. I find that on the daily when, you know, regardless of whether you've got all that muck that comes down and, and whatever, you will find that there is a lot of bait that move in that kind of middle of the river and even casting in the middle of it has been lucrative at times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you can try all those things. Soft plastics, you know, obviously will work really well and even casting and trolling them will imitate those mullet underneath the um, bubbles or froth or, or bamboo that's floating up and down like on the daily. But definitely worth trying everything. And, and I mean, it's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time and making sure that you sort of stick with it. If you see fish starting to sort of swirl or, or buff on the surface, you know that there are activities starting to happen and you just need to stick with it and just change it up. If you're using something and it's not working or it doesn't seem to be working, don't be scared to change your lure and try a different style or a different way of doing it and see whether that doesn't get you the results that you're looking for. You heard much from uh, any of those uh, South Alligator billabongs, Warren? 
Yeah, there has been a few guys coming through. Some of the tourists have been up there fishing them and, and uh, saying that they're catching the odd fish. It hasn't been fantastic. I reckon, obviously, coming up onto that moon like we've been talking about before may be more productive at time for those billabongs. And also the weather I spoke about before, that warmer weather that we're experiencing at the moment may be the trigger that might get those fish biting again. So there has been a little bit of water temperature drop in the last couple of weeks, but with this warm air temperature and the, and the weather, it may push that water temperature up again so that those fish may become more active. So I would definitely be fishing up in, in those billabongs in Kakadu, and I'd definitely be fishing up in the freshwater sections of the, the bigger river systems, such as the Roper and the Vic and the Daly. But also I wouldn't be scared to even trawl down in the bottom sections of those bigger rivers because we're only just stepping into the bigger tides. We're not right in, into the uh, rear end of them when they're really pumping hard. So you'll still get a lot of clear water. Um, there'll be still good green water in the daily and there'll still be good green water down the Vic. So I'd be sort of, certainly happy to, to try during the daytime on those bigger tides as well. Well, Warren, there is a plethora of options. The families of the Northern Territory looking to go camping, thank you indeed for those options. Good on you, mate. See you later. See you, Rocky. See ya. As usual, the hoys come thick and fast from near and far. First up today, a hoy from a, a pair we haven't heard from in a while, Nev. G'day, fellas. Wife and I are off to the Towns River for a week, leaving Saturday. It's our sixth wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Are you familiar with the work of Nev and KP Rock? Oh, not really. No, <laughs> fill me in. Well, uh, they're just bloody territory champions and, well, basically all you need to know is that Nev likes beer and KP likes wine. That's about all you need to know, really. Bloody awesome spot it is, the, uh, where are they off to? Uh, the Towns River, they say. Great fishing and even better to throw a few back while taking in some of the territory's best scenery. Even we can get fish there, so it's pretty good. I like beer, he signs off, as I told you. Yeah. And KP likes wine. Happy anniversary, wife, he says. You are the best first wife ever. Wow. Love you heaps. Oh, that's gorgeous. Congratulations, guys. Have a lovely little trip. Well, let's talk about some other matrimonial issues. Yeah. Um, Chrissy Rosevear. She writes, I captured a brief moment of what was no doubt an epic tale for this bloke on Malacca Drive in Palmerston. And the picture shows a ute with a trailer on it, basically log jammed in between a fence and a traffic island perpendicular. That would be called a wedgie. I think it's a wedgie. <laughs> Chrissy writes in, she's not sure how he achieved this wedge, but drove past 10 minutes later and they had semi-successfully reversed the boat back into the carport. That's an unwedging. It's an unwedging. And he looked very frustrated and I fear that his wife would have been, um, she might have been a bit worse for wear for a, that wedgie. A trial of the marriage, do you think? Well, <laughs> I would have run away. But, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think we've just gone from one great marriage to one that might be on the rocks. <laughs> oh, dear. That's, that's a hope. I hope it's not the case. Uh, Andrew Veal really gave us a hoi. He went into the oil rig over the weekend and uh, cleaned up on Mackies and Trev's. 
You reckon they're everywhere. It was choppy out there, of course. It's bloody dry season blowy. Um, all through the day, but calmed down at night. They hit all the dewy spots on the way back to Darwin, but didn't have as much luck. So the Jamboree's not going for you, Vili. Uh, a report coming in from the Bushchuk, who's been cleaning up on Dewey's off Dundee, and we'll hear about uh, a uh, protege of the Bushchuk later on. A bit of an adventure and a bit of a clean-up. No better a way to shake off a bad day than fishing, she says. She also tells us she spotted something a bit different in the water offshore from Dundee on the weekend, cruising by her tinny without a worry in the world. It's a croc! Oh, Jesus! Look at the size of it! How many k's off Dundee would we be? Three k's off! God! There you go. She did pretty well herself that day, but... Um, it's pretty far offshore for a croc. You wouldn't think they'd be that far. Well, they do go from A to B, and I reckon it would only be running, paddling, whatever they do for their life, because there'd be a predator out in the open like that, I reckon. You reckon oh, Noahs have a crack yeah. at them, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Mm, well, that's a, a note to self. We often you know, have a little dip when we're a bit offshore, thinking, oh, yeah, we'll be right. No yeah. handbags out here. Yeah. She'll um, be right. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you you need a new wallet. Yeah, that's it. Uh, oh, from from Marty Sargent via airmail. Oh, because he's gone. Avion. He's gone airwall. Oh, oh. Um, boom, boom. Just reporting in from Arifana in Portugal, which is just a beautiful little spot. We had a little sneak peek, didn't we? And he's off to catch some nice quality sea bass, which are apparently a delicacy of the Portuguese. Oh. So that's all he says for now, which is reporting, I suppose, but. On some boats and places like the Daly River and with medical people, I'm often told that sea bass is... Uh, a euphemism. A euphemism for crutchrot. A bit of downstairs fungal issue. Mm. I haven't heard that one, I must yeah. admit. Barku rot, it used to be called <laughs> in my day. And they're quite, well, I hope the sea bass is all right. One thing, disgusting thing in Portugal, I don't know if you've been there, they, they hang cod up, salted cod on the street, hanging up everywhere. And then they, and like it gets covered in exhaust fumes and stuff, and then they cook it up this dried, stinky old salted cod. Oh, local delicacy, beautiful. Does it taste any good? <sighs> I got news for you. It tastes like shite. Andy Balfany's wife, who are new to the NT and first time as a corroboree, over the weekend they landed a barra, 64 centimetres. Hooray, first barra, but managed to embed a treble deep into Andy's thumb in the process. This is possibly their NT <laughs> initiation ritual because it does happen. They had no luck getting it out themselves. Were impressed by a couple of boats who stopped to render assistance and perform the delicate removal of said treble in thumb. The boats who stopped to help were competing in the Tebs and uh, after a bit of delicate work successfully removed the treble from Andy's thumb. Both Andy and his wife are very grateful to fishers who helped and wanted to send a shout-out to them for interrupting their competition time to help two complete Gumby Southern strangers. That's their words, not ours. I reckon Good I on you, s- boys. I reckon I saw that. Did you? Yeah. Oh, you were at Crobbery on the yeah, weekend, Yeah, I was. You? And there was about three or four boats rafted up, which is a bit odd. Mm. And Dur- I thought, during the day, not at during night. During the day, at <laughs> prime fishing time, it was in the morning. But that might have been what was going on. I think so. It was a rescue mission by the look of it. Yeah. Uh, now, this... Sent in by Alan Stevens. I don't want to go to work. I want to go fishing in the boat. 
You don't like working anymore. I just want to fish in the boat all day, every day, because it's a really nice boat, and I like it, and I'm drinking hammers and the tongs, and I like the boat. Just <laughs> someone. He's got some serious emotional issues going on. This is a legitimate tantrum from Alan's mate Davo, a.k.a. Hillbilly. Alan tells us, we have a group chat. And one of the fellas, chat, I'd say, uh, has some, uh, not just chats, I say there might be some slurps in there as well. And one of the fellas, Daniel, just bought a new boat and is itching to go out. Hillbilly works with Daniel, so after talking about the new boat all day, Hillbilly gets home, and after a few tallies from the bottle is keen as hell to go out. He's itching. He's itching like a bloody, what is it, bass? Sea bass. Uh, he's sea got bass. the sea bass. He started getting upset as everyone was sick of his drunken mutterings. So they muted him. I'm not sure whether they gagged him with gaffer tape, I'm not sure. He's a lightweight. Apparently only takes him two tallies and he's gone, Alan says. Hillbilly always has his video camera going when he talks to people in the group and this is the kind of crap he sends us. Funny bugger. Oh, well, that was painful to listen to, wasn't it? It was. And, Look, and I think we might, we might even just go back and just share the pain once more. Hang on a sec. I don't want to go to work. Well, I want to go fishing in the boat. We all want to go fishing in the boat, mate. Get over it. Fish in the boat all day, every Get over day it. Because it's a really nice boat. And I like it. And I'm drinking hammers and tongs. Drinking hammer and tongs, like yeah. I think boat. that's a key part of it. Just buy your own boat, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just buy your own boat, you sookie la la. Hard but fair, Rock. No, no, he must be a Maroons supporter, I reckon. Oh, I'll take offence at that. But on, on, well, now that you bring up this, this painful reality, uh, uh, a text in from the Reverend John Colston, a long-time correspondent with the Tinny now down south. Dear Mr Smith, may you be laughed at, chafed at, thrown crap at for the next 12 months and them some. I am joyfully awaiting the final ass kick in two weeks. Signed, JC. So that means that you could be doing these ones in about two weeks' time, Rob. (laughs) Oh, my God, I don't want to go. I want the football. I just want to go fishing. Right, Johnny. Who's had more of the last laugh over the preceding many years, my friend? We'll see. Bring it on two weeks. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoy. It was pretty controversial a few weeks back when news broke of bed and bank claims at Channel Point and the Mary River, which were due to be heard by the Aboriginal Lands Commissioner. Cattlemen and fishers argued, if approved... The claims could burden graziers, export industries and lock anglers out of fishing areas that are amongst the best in the NT. The historical claims cover parts of the Chambers Bay Coast, Cape Hotham, Shady Freshwater, Shady Boat Ramp, the Rock Hole, Mary River Bridge Lagoon, the Channel Point and Perrins Coastline and the mouth of the Reynolds River. Well, this week, APANT has fronted the Indigenous Land Commissioner trying to prove how granting those claims would impact on wrecked fishers. But their evidence has been ruled inadmissible. Adam Steer of ABC Darwin spoke to David Shrovelo, Executive Officer of AFANT, for his response to the latest developments. We're obviously extremely disappointed about that. It seems that he took the view that 
this kind of self-reporting survey on a voluntary basis uh, is, in his view, so inherently poor that he'll afford it zero weight um, and that the participants have a vested interest and that could impact upon the answers that they gave in the survey. So what's the impact of uh, that decision to rule this as inadmissible? Well, the impact uh, in, in its immediate sense is that the detailed information that we provided about, you know, for example, 1,500 people said they fished in this area and when they did that they launched here and in their day they may have camped or they may have done other activities will not be captured because it's the only way um, to be able to uh, get information directly about the claim areas was to ask about those claim areas. And, and of course, we accept that the people who did that survey are not a general part of the population. They're people who have an interest in the claim area. The Land Commissioner is simply preparing a report for the Indigenous Affairs Minister, Nigel Scullion, who makes the ultimate decision. If you don't get this survey into the report, does that mean the Minister won't be able to weigh up the evidence about the impact on fishos? Well, look, as I alluded to before, the Minister was aware of us doing the surveys and certainly at our AGM in April, he encouraged fishers to participate in those surveys and ensure their activities could be placed upon the record. And and I recall the Minister commenting generally that in deciding land claims, he wanted to make sure he had all of the detriment evidence before him to make informed decisions. So it's now um, we're seeking, uh, we're taking legal advice. We're in that process at the moment to see whether providing the survey information directly to the Minister Uh, either in a qualified or unqualified fashion, uh, is an option for us. Did the Land Commissioner accept more broadly that there would be an impact on rec fishos? That is, it was the method of the survey that was the problem, not the content? Um, Well, the content of the survey was not considered at all um, because the NLC raised objections beforehand and and, and the... um, Commissioner ruled it inadmissible. Uh, however, I, whilst I don't want to verbal the Commissioner, uh, I think it's fair to say that more generally it has been accepted there is a lot of recreational fishing in the areas and that recreational fishing is about more than just the catching of fish but the values of those experiences. Tales from the Tinny. David Shrovelo there uh, speaking to Adam Steer. So the matter is now... Uh, going to the hands of Federal Minister Nigel Scullion. Uh, watch this space. Well, Rob, as you know, Tebs was on over the last weekend and it was round three, the Billabongs. Our lovely Lisa caught up with one bloke who fished his round at Corroboree. Hey, I'm Juddy from out at Palmo. It was a good weekend for me. It's uh, not confirmed, but sitting second for the round, so caught some good fish. Pretty good effort for you and Nuts, eh? Yeah, I had a good decky. She... Uh, <laughs> She had a pretty tough round. She didn't get any scorers. As always, she helps me land them. She was actually asleep when I got a lot of them, so she was waking up and netting them, so that was good. There's a few fish caught, but I think the boat traffic and that cold snap that's come through, because it was pretty cold during the day for water temps and that sort of stuff, so I personally moved around a lot, trying to stay away from the boat traffic and find uh, warmer water. I was marking good fish and heaps of fish on the sounder. You'd only get one or two hits and then you'd work them for another hour or so and they weren't interested. So that's when I just decided to start moving around and sort of not stay on fish all the time. If you get one or two hits from them and then you didn't get nothing, I'd just leave them. Time to move. Yeah, yep. But I've found in the mornings good out there, if you can find them. Obviously you can catch toga casting, but I wasn't interested in that. Yeah, I just mainly went for the barra. Ended up catching a fair few toga and sleepy cotters bycatch anyway. They're pretty good fun. I got togas on vibes casting timber. That was, it was quite surprising because usually I, if you're chasing toga, 
surface laws and that. So, no, that was pretty cool. If you cast the lilies, you catch tiger all day. How did Nadine go? Did she get any or did she nap through the whole day and just wake up for netting duties? No, nah, she was awake during the day. She dropped a couple of would have been scorers and heaps of little fish. Just got unlucky. So I had a plan to try and stay away from the raft ups at night time. Concentration goes out if you get caught up in them. And that was one of my main targets was that night time. Well, I've had over the last few years most success out there at night for the bigger fish. From what I've seen, it was pretty good. Caught a fair few fish Saturday night. The biggest went 86. I was pretty happy with that. Not bad for the billabong. Yeah, it took a fair few hours to work it out though. Once I found them, I didn't stop fishing until 3 in the morning because everyone was asleep or somewhere else in the billabong. It was really quiet and I found the fish and Nads kept waking up when I had a fish on and netting it, so it worked out all right. And what are the water levels like? Speaking to a few guys, they were out there a couple of weeks before Tebs and they reckon it it had dropped about a metre, but I hadn't been out there this year, so it's sort of the same level as what I'm used to, but there's heaps of small fish in there, so later on the next month or two, it'll, it'll be good fishing. It's definitely going to pick up as that water gets warmer because that's the key out there. See, so the water temp was like 25, and that's just that's pretty cold in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know why they fish better at night out there. Maybe it is just the boat traffic because the water temps didn't change that much at night, but fish definitely came active, or the bigger ones anyway. There's still plenty of fish around there during the day too. Just got to find them, I suppose. What kind of lures were you using to target the fish over the weekend? So I did a, a lot of trolling, just little hard bodies like around the weed edges and obviously a good sounder pace so you can read where the fish are sitting and what depths. I changed from shallow lures to deep divers. Obviously casting, I was using vibes, small rubbers and that are in the timber. And then at night, I just, same thing again, just hard bodies, just trolling. And trolling was most productive for you? Yeah, definitely. I did a fair bit of casting early Saturday, a lot of little rats or nothing. So I was just used the techniques I knew that worked and just started trolling. Definitely mixing up speeds, trolling with the motor and then trolling with the motor guide. Depends if there's heaps of boats cruising around, there's no point having a motor guide on because it's still loud, but it's a good technique. What else is going on for you fishing-wise, Juddy? Um, obviously you've got Tebs, another round in Bino in August, end of August I think it is. So the next month or so I'm going to do some boat mods and get out with a couple of mates in the blue water, see if there's any sails around and stuff like that. And might even go back out the Billabong. Still some nice fish out there, so it'd be crazy not to really. All right, Juddy, thanks heaps for your time, eh? No worries, thank you. Tales from the Tinny. Ben Judd. And, of course, kudos to partner, the super decky Nadine, a.k.a. Nads there. Oh, go Nads! <laughs> Indeed, go Nads. I bet you she's never heard that before. You, you <laughs> mentioned you are out on Corroboree on the weekend. You've been out a few times. I have. Over probably the last three or four weeks, I've been out there most every weekend. And um, we've had some really good success. Um, one of our days, I was out fishing with uh, Russell Kenny and Ross McCubbin, and they're both good good anglers. And, um, and we, we landed over 60 fish. Admittedly, a lot of small, but we got some very decent barras, you know, in the 60s. And we also got some really good Saratoga. Of course, we're getting a lot of reports of really good Saratoga. Been out there with some other anglers since. And, you know, we're, we're having 25, 30 fish days. But we are seeing some really good fish. I, um, my last trip out there last weekend, I lost probably one in the, well and truly into the 70s. Um, at the boat, unfortunately, but that's how it works. But it's been consistently fishing well all through the day. 
It's been really good. And when you're saying you're getting those numbers, uh, what are above legal, say, and what is the standard size of, of is there heaps of small rats? Or oh, are they yeah. 50s or? Yeah, look, it depends where you're fishing. There's some spots where it's completely nursery sort of stuff. You know, they're, they're small and probably up into the 30s, maybe 40s. And then as you move around, you'll find where the bigger fish are sitting. And they t- tend to congregate in their, in their sizes too, but then you'll get this surprise beauty come out of nowhere. So um, there's some really nice fish, and we're seeing them. They're definitely there. But it's the whole billabong. It's almost like they're holding everywhere. Or We're now exposed to the banks a lot more and the weed beds, and so it's a lot more fun. But, yeah, it's fishing really, really well. What sort of country are you... Uh hitting most? I um, I like to fish mostly the weed beds and because they're exposed at the moment, the lilies have kind of been flushed out, um, that's been qu- probably the most rewarding. We've had a couple of, quite a lot of follow-ups. You see a, a lot follow you through mm. and, and they'll just kind of get a, a side of the boat or something and just give up or, mm. you know, how they just sort get of... Get spooked of, by the side of the yeah, boat. Yeah, they're kind of half-hearted following you lure in and we've been seeing them in the 80s. Oh, nice. Yes, yes, really, really good so fish. So definitely fishing better. We're hearing lots of reports, but definitely fishing better than it has for a number of years. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It really is. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them while I love you. <laughs> Fishos, cast your mind back to when you landed your first stonker. Do you remember that feeling? Of course you do. Do you, Rocky? Of course you do. Absolutely. <laughs> grinning, grinning like a madman with a smile that lasted for days. Harley went on his maiden trip to Dundee over the weekend in his shiny new boat and was coached on the finer points of landing his 102 centimetre beast of a black Jew by a couple of local lasses, demure, reserved lasses. Mm. Debutantes, almost. <laughs> In the, in the shape <laughs> of Megs and Maddie Brown. Lisa collared Harley to get the gory, juicy, debutante, premiere cherry-popping details. You were hitting the Jewies hard over the weekend. Tell me about oh, it. Big time, big time. Bloody unreal. It's obviously the first sort of big fish I only moved to the Territories a couple of months ago. I had the opportunity to go out and go fishing. And I've kind of got a hook now. I've caught my first decent-sized fish and, yeah, over the moon. And who took you out on this adventure? Young uh, Megan Brown and Maddie Brown. And where did they take you? I could never kiss and tell, but we were just off to Dundee there. Secret spot. Well, I just got my new boat, so I took him out for the first sort of run and not too many leaks, which I was pretty happy about. I hooked up the first one and, yeah, the rod just goes straight over and we're on, so... Maddie's there going, oh, it's a shark, it's a bloody shark. They put up a pretty good fight. I'd never sort of reeled in anything decent before, so Maddie was sniffing me through the paces. The fish from way back, she's a bit more than me, so oh, learning from the master for sure, yeah. It gives you the biggest thrill. I'm hooked on it now. I got to work Monday morning, had the biggest smile on my face. I was just, yeah, I was stoked. All the boys thought you'd picked up over the weekend, did they? Oh, big time. And did you tell them it was not a chick, it was a fish? Oh, it was a good size fish. I told him on Friday afternoon. I said, well, this weekend is going to be the weekend. I'm going to catch the first fish. As usual, got a few laughs. I go, yeah, good luck. I proved him wrong Monday morning. It's loving the lifestyle up here, really. No complaints whatsoever. What bait were you using? Good. I seem to be working pretty good. What's next but on the cards fishing-wise for you then? got family coming up in a few months, so I wouldn't mind taking them out to Dundee and hopefully try and get under a few more jewies. Is that your new favourite spot now? Oh, it is. It's unreal out there. Love it. The worst thing about the territory, when you get up here, you think of all these new toys you can buy and new fishing gear and bigger boats. It's all good fun. 
Have you tried any river system fishing? Uh, we've done a little bit of fishing. Like since I've been up here, we've been we've done the roper and I went to the daily again with Maddie there probably a few months ago now. I got my first barrow, so I was pretty happy with that. Been undersized, so I had to chuck him back. But other than that, that was still the first barrow I caught. Hooked my first big one too, and then yeah, dropped him right next to the boat. I was the happiest man in the world, and I was the saddest man in the world, all in the space of about 10 seconds. Pretty devil about that. A feeling many fishos know, I'm oh, sure. That's all you want to do now every weekend, just head straight out. It's bloody unreal, unreal. Congratulations Sorry. on your amazing Jewfish. Thank you very much, Lee. There's a very happy man. The lovely Browns ladies took the young man, showed him the ways of the world... And I can imagine I've spent a lot of time on the boat with Megan Brown, the bush took herself, um, but she landed herself a 120 Dewey in the same outing. So pretty good. Pretty good indeed. And I, I, I understand it's already been well consumed. Every last morsel? It has. I just wonder what happened to my invite. Oh, mm. there you go. Yeah. There, you've, been, you've been notified, <laughs> bush chook. It was just crazy. It was a fisher cast, jumped out, pulled the arse end up of it to get the bungs in. Got a bit hectic. Deliver the report straight back out before the weekend. It's just insane. Tales from the Tinny. A tale of bad luck and a series of unfortunate events. It's like life giving you the middle finger when your best laid plans go awry. Sam Robotham hit us by email. G'day lads, Mule here. The missus and I finished up work to head off on a few months fishing trip around Australia. In an effort to ease the stress of packing our lives up, I went on an overnight trip to Goat Island with a bunch of mates to ease the nerves. We had a fun night, caught some liveys and called it a night. Got up Sunday morning and proceeded to crash the boat into a tree. I don't know if there was any relationship to the activities at Goat Island the night before. Anyway... This was the boat, of course, that was towing us around Australia. It still floats, which is good news. We were a bit dinged up, as was the boat. Uh, We've just got our answer there. Well, I have to ask a question, Rob. Was the tree in the water or was the tree (laughs) on the the land? (laughs) I think a little bit more detail might be required here. Anyway, we were a bit dinged up, as was the boat, and we headed back home. Took the car in for a once-over. Turned out it needed 4K of work. And there's a weight on parts. Hooray. Nice work. All good, he says. My old man and his mate are in town, so we spend a week fishing at Coburg to kill the time. If you just got to... Oh, look, I'm just going to randomly go to Coburg fishing. I've got a week to kill. We had a blast. Caught trout, empress, Spaniards and some cracking queenies. Pulled a few stonking big trevally to the boat, but both times straightened hooks. On the way back, snapped a spring on the same boat trailer, which is to be towed around Australia which in turn bent the axle, shredded the guard and wrecked the wheel and tyre. It's all just going to poo, isn't it? Sam. This guy's a disaster. All good, they made it back to Darwin. Parts for this car still not here, so we might as well go to Dundee as we're unemployed, homeless and have nothing better to do. Well, of course, when in doubt, go to Dundee or Coburg. Gordon got into a few fish out there too. I broke a pair of spotters. So now the trailer's busted, boat's busted, busted car, and he can't see anything. Finally, we seem to have got everything sorted, and me and the cheeses and kisses are on the road. So if you're travelling around the WA coast and happen to see a boat trailer with a busted mudguard and wonky axle, 
which looks as though he'd been hit by a telegraph pole, being towed by a questionably reliable old troopie, feel free to come and have a beer and maybe drop us a few hints on where to catch a feed of fish. If I didn't have bad luck, I'd have none at all. We agree with you there, Mule. P.S. First day on the road, blew a car tyre and had to replace a trailer bearing. And just by the way, do you know they fish for and eat catfish in Lake Argyle? Have a good one, boys. Get a mullet up you. Mule. I think we're having a better one than you, Mule. Hope your luck turns, fella. Well, if I saw those guys or that car or whatever, I would run for my life. I'd keep right, <laughs> right away. That is just a disaster. That guy is a disaster. Mule. But you know what? Our lovely Rachel Kenner is over in WA. Oh, she, she is too. She thinks she might have spotted them. Oh, true. Yeah. She said, I think I saw a similar boat earlier today at the Alley Workshop in Broome. <laughs> that would be a likely place for it, I would say. Yeah. So she's she's over there having a fishing holiday. She um, met a nomad in the campground, had a chat to him, and he'd never caught a barra. So the lovely Rachel, just like the bush chook, Took this gentleman out fishing and he got to catch his first ever barra. And she goes on to say, I've got a few issues of my own. Nothing too serious. Just what you'd expect from taking a cheap alley trailer, not built for off-road, off-road. Mm. So, but she's up there having an epic time fishing the river systems north of Wyndham and the endless sails up the Cape Levique. Good on you, Rach. With all eyes on the billabongs at the moment, the daily, one of my favourite spots, is getting some much-needed downtime as it's been a bit frantic with a lot of comps there recently. Mm, frantic with your boat running up and down too. Yes, it's had its turn. <laughs> um, and to see about camping, fishing, holiday pro- prospects for the daily over the coming weeks, our dear Lisa checked in with Adrian from Woolliana on the daily who arrived at the Million Dollar Fish Party a few months too late. So I went out last Friday with my wife, about five kilometres down the river, caught a 63, was going to come home because I wanted to watch the football. The next fish we caught was a, uh, an 87 centimetre barra. There was a red tag in it. How did that feel when well, you saw that red tag? I was aware of the fact that uh, Million Dollar Fish had finished. It was quite unusual to catch one because I spent a lot of time in the river. I live here after all. Two or three have been caught on the river, people that I know. I've caught 38 uh, barrows this year so far with tags in them, but that was the first red tag that I've actually seen. It was released uh, August last year. It was a 77, so quite a substantial growth factor, 100 mil, which is not bad in uh, 10 months. Plenty of bait around for them to be eating, though, isn't oh, there? The fish are fat at the moment. They've got plenty of reserves. So... But it was released uh, uh, pretty well close to the area it was caught in, which is surprising. So that means there's plenty of food there for it. The river's been fishing exceptionally well mainly for people to know what to do. The, the water's cold. It's uh, f- uh, 24.2 degrees last night. The last lot of neeps about eight days ago, seven days ago. In this park alone, there were uh, 14 fish over a metre caught, which is very unusual mm. neap tides. Wow. And, and whereabouts in the river are those getting caught, or is that secret square? Well, no, 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 no. Mainly mackerel trawling, uh, Harry's Rock Bar, uh, a little bit further down, mainly where the bait is. And that's why I think people, locals, know that small tides you fish further downstream, big tides you fish further up. Look for the colour change. But 14 fish over a metre in a matter of three days, which was amazing. I was fished a low tide about uh, 18 kilometres down, downstream. I fished, fished a couple of features and did no good and spent about two hours in the water. So I decided instead of uh, having a fish finder or something like that or a, a side scan, what I would normally do, 
I'm giving away a sort of a, a top secret. I get a squeegee or some sort of a soft plastic, take the hook off, just mm-hmm. cut the hook with a pair of side cutters and throw it into the timber or into rocks and see whether there's anything there. Anyway, after a couple of hours, I try that and got absolutely whacked. I put one with a hook on it and cleaned up like there was no tomorrow. A 91, a 94, uh, three fish over 80, and 11 fish over 60, all in the next hour and a half, two hours. The best time is most probably the last two hours of the outgoing tide in the lull, as long as the tides are less than 6.5 metres, otherwise you get blown off the water. And the next best opportunity is the last half hour of the end, top of the tide, first hour and a half of the out. The rest of the time, if the bait's there and is vulnerable, there's a good chance a barrel ever go. But it's between tides, uh, not much seems to happen. Most of the fish caught at the moment are done with bait, uh, mainly cherubin, mm-hmm. or mackerel trawling in the middle of the river with the bigger tides using uh, the bigger lures. But the most of the fish casting are caught with soft plastics. Great news about the red tag, Devo, yeah. about the timing. Yeah, well, it's, it's worth a cent, so that's, uh, that's a plus. Okay, Lisa, have a good day. Tales from the Tinny. A red tag usually gets people excited. Three months out, Adrian, probably not quite as exciting. It's got to hurt a little bit. But interesting to note, the barrow's caught in the same area it was released, Rock. Yeah, that's happened before. Mm. They, um, there are residential barra out there, and you often find that in places like the Daly. I've found it with the harbour. You, know, you find it with humans. Yeah, we tend to go back <laughs> where <bodies>. we live. <laughs> you fish the Daly a lot, of course. Uh, how do you think it uh, would go over, over the holidays, and what would you be doing if you were down there fishing? Well, I think it's still fishing well, and um, I've had some friends that have been down there just in the last few weeks, and they're still catching some nice barra. Um, it's probably not as good as it was back in April, May, but it's still fishing well and it's worth a go. I would go down there because, you know, a good day on that river, you know, it's not always just about the numbers of fish. They're good quality fish and they're still being caught. There's some in the metre ranges being caught too. So, and it's easy, you know, for, um, you know, that sort of fishing. Um, Predominantly trolling at this time of year? Yeah, I would. I would troll, um, particularly if you've got kids on the boat. Sometimes that's a lot easier just to deal with all the all the palaver of casting and snags <laughs> and stuff and whatever. But certainly I would be, you know, if I was casting, I would probably stick to where the clean water was, the creek mouths and stuff like that. But, yeah, I'd give it a red-hot go. I'd, I'd love to be down there. Well, there you go, fishos. There's some red-hot oil from Rocky. Who knows the daily, like the back of a boat. Fishos, getting old sucks, doesn't it? You get grey and flabby and feeble, start wearing socks and sandals, and hair grows out of your ears. It's distressing, depressing, and unfortunately, inevitable. But now you can ease the embarrassment and inconvenience of ageing and crank up your quality of life in that finicky phase between going grey and going into the ground with the Tales from the Tinny by Jingo on Geriatric range of products and services. Your pearly whites may not be what they used to, but you still want to be able to hook into a big steak or a goose curry, don't you? So why not avail yourself of the services of a Tales from the Tinny mastication mate to pre-chew each mouthful of your tucker into a tasty, easily digestible paste. There you go, mate. Tucking. All you have to do is swallow. Oh, thanks very much, mate. Three, four, six, eight, then. <sighs> 
When you're old, no one wants to listen to you anymore, do they? But when you hire a Tales from the Titty captive audience, you'll have a crowd of highly skilled listeners hanging on your every word. It was a run-off of 59. Oh, yeah. We were fishing the daily oh. in a canoe made of corrugated iron, oh, yeah. gum saplings and tar. Oh, we dragged it through the scrub from Pine Creek. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we had it. Incontinence can be a real pest, can't it? The answer? The Tales from the Tinny Grandad Dax. Sealed strides available in black, outdoorsy camo and a range of football club colours. Grandad Dax are water, waste and odour type and allow you to cast on... Regardless. <laughs> no worries. Then when your candle is really starting to flicker, why not check into One Thong in the Grave, the Tales from the Tinny Palliative Care Resort, where along with the usual stupefying cocktail of sedatives, each rickety resident is administered a fortifying daily dose of our Tales from the Tinny senile super supplement, a powerful potpourri of OP rum, Viagra and LSD. <laughs> Oh my god. You'll be off your tree right up until you fall off the tweet. I told you about the shed. Do not go gentle into that good night, fishos. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Jingo, I'm geriatric. Good on you, old mate. You go hard. The tales from the tinny five Jingo on geriatric range of products and services. Phone your order now to 1 800 Mullet. It's just more must have merchandise brought to you by Tales from the Tinny Enterprises. G'day, it's Penno from Funny Bay. Just back from a big trip, an annual trip with the boys. Three boats, nine blokes a week. Tell us about it. Yeah, it was a good trip. The guys come up every year. We've kind of gone to different places each year, depending on where the, the rainfall's been. But planned to go to Roper, actually, and two weeks prior to, to leaving, decided to um, go to the Kakadu sort of way because of the amount of rain that they did have. We started at um, the South Alligator, and uh, we fished upstream the first day um, and got some reasonable fish around the rock bars as you'd kind of expect and by that time a lot of the water had kind of run out. So then the next day we went up the east and that was tough work actually. A lot of little rats and that was about it. Um, There was still a metre coming over the crossing at that point um, so I don't know if we were a bit slow getting out there or not. Um, So then the next day we went back to uh, the south, uh, launched there and went down towards the mouth and we stayed a couple of nights in the boats out there. We moved around Field Island and, and a couple of those uh, creeks that are at the, the mouth at uh, the south and, and we, we did have plans to go across to the Mini um, but we ended up canning that on that trip because the, the bait was so thick. It was a bit like rain on the, the side of the hull. It was As you're kind of cruising up with a trawling through the pockets of bait it was, it was constant tinging on the outside of the boat. It was, it was that thick so we thought we should probably stay there. Oh, that's usually a decent indicator yeah, you yeah. probably should stay. What tide, so this is down the mouth, what tides were you on down there? Uh, they're just starting to build. Um, yeah we got down there and, and it fished really well and the, the fish were did come on eventually uh, towards the first of the push in. We were lucky enough uh, the guys that came up from down south they all got 80s and, and 90s um, and three of the guys uh, were lucky enough to get over the metre mark, which was good. Restricted to the push-in tide or, or across the day and that was the peak? Look, we just kept hanging around the bait and we were kind of um, plucking off the, the fish and, and they were all big fish. There weren't any 60s and, and 50s. They were all stonking fish and fat and really big scales. So as you're pulling them in, you thought for sure they're close to medium, but you put them on the mat and sure enough they were short, 10 centimetres or 5 centimetres. Chris Fuller got the 119. 
biggest barrow I've ever seen. It's huge. The scales on it, like the other couple of meterage that were bought in, I mean, they looked like tiny fish compared to this thing. It was, it was massive. Uh, fat around the shoulder, you mean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've got a picture of Chris trying to hold it. I mean, and Chris is, a, a, I mean, it'd be six foot and it's as wide as him. It's, it's a big fat fish. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of celebration at that point. Yeah, there was a bit. What makes that trip is the, the guys that come up every year, they're all, all busy and they've got young families and, and they make the time and, and they come up and, and it's a fantastic bunch of blokes and we get along really well and, and there's a nomination ceremony that happens at the end of each day for any sort of a careless or stupid act that happens during the day which keeps everyone on their toes a little bit, particularly on those long boozy trips and um, the nomination with the, the shirt that you must wear the following day which never gets washed and has a brilliant bright colour and usually some sort of profanity on it, it <laughs> keeps everyone in, in check. Now you mentioned Chris Fuller, did he get the shirt any day? No, he, he avoided the nomination uh, shirt this year. Um, uh, I should probably uh, give a mention out to Beard. He was one of the deckies that did seem to wear the shirt a couple of times. In saying that, he put Chris onto the 119 barrow when he was uh, giving him a break from the steering wheel. So although he got the shirt a few times, he, he certainly uh, has set the standard high for the, for the rest of the deckies, I think. <laughs> you better talk us through the shirt because I, I believe it's about, from memory, about eight sizes too small generally for the bloke that should be wearing it. Yeah, that's right. It's a very bright shirt. It's usually very tight. Um, it gets used as a fish rag. Um, you really don't want it after the second or third day. It, it's disgusting. <laughs> and, and so how long are you out there for? Uh, we were out, so the guys came up for six days. Um, so we did break up the trip by staying at, at the hotel out there about halfway through. It was a, a long trip, but well worth it and plenty of laughs, yeah. A big week like that with all the antics that probably go on, a lot of sledging, a lot of good fish, a lot of good celebrations bit messy at the end of that wouldn't you? Certainly I, I, I didn't go to work straight away after that trip I needed a couple of days off and I know the guys went back onto the plains all, all fairly quiet so <laughs> uh, yeah unfortunately uh, it's, it's the last trip that Chris will be uh, uh, launching from uh, Darwin so he's off to the ACT. Uh, Is he? Yes he's gone. Kicking uh, and screaming? Uh, yeah, I don't think he's too happy about it, but anyway, that's, that's, he's got to follow the work, so um, he's off shortly. We so. have electricity up here. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, so uh, the, and, and he, hats off to Chris, he does all the organisation for the trip and, and um, gets the, the boys all in order. So um, those duties are now falling to Ox, who's a bit of a reluctant sort of uh, leader, but we're working on him. But, so Ox, you're it, mate. <laughs> I thought it was fitting just for Chris, given he's, he's leading. I've quietly passed over to you uh, now, Rob, a, a, a bit of an ode for Chris. <laughs> if I give you uh, some bribes, maybe you'll uh, speak an ode for him. I think we can organise that, mate. We'll, we'll get onto it. Champion. Thanks, mate. Tales from the Tinny. An ode for a tinny fella who goes by the name Horse, a.k.a. Chris Fuller. It's called A Temperate Territory Man No More. A Temperate Territory Man No More. He leaves now for the Capital Territory after 10 years of terrorising those Territory Barra. He leaves temperate waters an accomplished territory man with a special territory talent for catching those testy territory barra. With hardened stare and territory tough hands, he tortured mudflat barra time and time again. With tall finesse stick 
and animal-like timing, the Territory Barra Rats, one by one, met their match. Stand tall in your new Territory horse for the Territory Barra Rat and the Capital Territory Trout will soon share the same tasty fate. Hail those finely honed territory skills of a temperate territory man no more. Marshy, Mackey, Beard, Ox, Stitch, Sheeny and especially you, Chris Fuller. Get a mullet up ya. Tales from the Tinny. Continuing our look around the paddock for likely and possibly productive camping spots for the families of the top end as uh, the dry season major holiday kicks in. A bloke uh, we speak to every year who does a, well, a couple of months sojourn usually to the Territory and spends a lot of time on various waterways is Pete the Buddha. G'day Buddha, how are you mate? Yeah, good thanks Rob. Where are you at the moment? I'm sitting in the car park in Coinda, just about to fuel up and head off into yellow water again. So it's fishing different to last year. Last year I managed to find some silverfish that were good size, like up to 80 centimetres. This year I haven't found them, but up in the weed beds there's heaps and heaps of fish. I got an 88 the other day, got four in one run. Like you can poke around all day and get 50 centimetre fish all day on little rubbers. But the bigger ones seem to turn on and off. You'll get a window, a bite window of probably half an hour, 40 minutes when there's some real good fish, and then they'll shut down again. And, and it doesn't seem to be any certain times. It's just all of a sudden you'll get, you know, a couple of good fish in the 60s and 70s, and then and then they'll shut down again. Then you go back to your little 50s hitting you all day long. So you're finding them against the banks in the weeds and the lilies, or are they out yeah. in the open? No, nothing out in the open. I can't find anything on the sounder, not a thing. Everything's tucked up hard up into the lilies, so you're hitting the weed beds. I've been stripping B-52s across the top when you can find the weed deep enough to strip your big hard bodies across the top. And that's where I've been getting the bigger ones, casting and, and trawling across the top of the weed beds. Using soft plastics as well? I have been using, yeah. It seems to be in the mornings they won't hit anything, but the little four-inch drill-eye jig heads are just letting them float down and getting whacked on the drop, whereas in the afternoons when the water seems to warm up a bit, then they become a little bit more lively and... The bigger fish seem to poke their heads out. So. Now, these windows, Buddha, that you can't really put a time to, have you thought thought back and thought, how am I holding my mouth at that particular time? Have I just eaten? <laughs> a, have I just cracked a can? Any of those mysteries that the fisherman always looks for? Well, I thought it might have been whenever I lifted the lid on a nice coffee, but um, <laughs> it's not that at all. It's just like yesterday morning, I fished Martigal and, and didn't get a touch. Coming to home, same thing, didn't get a touch, and then... About quarter past nine, bang. Like I've got two 68s within five minutes and then another couple and then they're coming up and then they sort of shut down but they're still coming up and just sitting under the lure. And you'd pause the lure and they wouldn't do a thing, you know. They'd just, they'd just move away again, so... Mm. I've seen a lot of that at Corroboree recently. Mm. I mean, we're still getting fish, but you see a lot of that where they follow you right through and then right at the end they must see the boat or something and... And um, yeah. they just won't bite. Like I found with corroboree too, that if you fish a certain spot, you can't fish it for long. They just shy right away. You know, you can't stick in one spot. Is that maybe what's happening? Do you think that you just have to yeah. keep moving around? Yeah, I think so. I, I do. I tend to do that anyway. Like I'll only hit it for so long, and then they, they've got to get sore lips. That's for sure. 
if, if you're spiking a few. So, and what um, about the on, water temperature? Um, pretty cool. It's been between 24 and, you know, I've seen up to 26, but I haven't seen 26 for a few days now. So it's running between 24 and 25, which is, which is still pretty cool. Mm. Now, you mentioned home and Mardigal there, which are completely yep. different beasts, obviously, to yellow. So you've got yep. a couple there. How have they been fishing generally? Uh, Mardigal's real hard. I did get a 75 there the first day, but um, I haven't seen much since. Home Billabong, yeah, I found them, but um, they're right up in the weed beds in the lilies. And I sort of found them by mistake. I was trawling up beside lily beds and the weed beds, got a lure full of lilies and um, just started ripping the shit out of it, trying to break the lilies, lilies off and then next thing you know, crunch. So then I proceeded just to keep doing that. And I got about six in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> New and mysterious technique. Yeah, and got got like six in, in half an hour up to 72 and the others were all 60. So, And same again yesterday morning. That's how I got the, the, the two was um, ripping, just ripping through the weed and uh, they climb all over it because, you, you know, you're smacking it pretty hard. You're, you're seriously aggressive with it trying to get the weed off. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what it does, but it, they, when they're on, they climb all over it. And you've uh, had a bit of a sneak around Kales a couple of times? Yeah, I've been out to Kales about three times. I, I went out oh, when I first got here about a week and a half ago, a couple of days, and, yeah, it was good. And uh, millions of rats, nearly, nearly a fish a cast. The first two days I went out, the tide pushed up, and there was some big fish caught. I've seen one up around the 90s. I went out there yesterday about 4.30, and I fished the top side off, the, off Cahills, and there's still, you know, a fish a cast. There was, there was an old mate out there. He was using this inch-long little rubber that looked just like a little, you know, baby fish, and his lure wasn't hitting the water for more than two seconds. I mean, every cast, not he wasn't even casting; he was just flicking it out and just because it's sitting right on the edge of the crossing there. He would have pulled in a hundred fish while I was there easily. But you got scared off. You were there oh, on yeah, your yeah. there on your pat at night and uh, lost your nerve, yeah. mate. Yeah, the plan was to wait for the tide to come up because it was uh, it was I think high tide was about ten thirty last night, but and I thought. For sure, there'd be a few others around. You know, we're close to the full moon. Anyway, when it got dark, everyone bolted. So I sat there for about another half an hour, just just sort of flicking downstream, and to no avail, I thought, oh, bugger this. You yeah. started to hear the horror movie music, didn't you? <laughs> dom, dom, dom. <laughs> yeah, I did. So, I, um, so anyway, I, I jumped in the car, and I thought, I'll go and have a look down at the lower boat ramp. So I poked the lights out onto the water, and uh, the mullet just lit up. And I thought, there's got to be something stirring them up. So I thought, I'll flick a fizzer around. So I, I stood pretty high on the bank and flicked the fizzer for a little bit. But then I turned the headlight on, and there's four sets of eyes straight away. <laughs> 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 I thought, no, I better get out of here, I think. Uh, sometimes cowardice is the is the right move, Buddha. Good on you, mate. Exactly. Sounds like definitely worthwhile to take the families out there if there's lots of rats and lots of 50s. Oh, heaps. Yeah, you'd never miss out at um, Kawinda's fishing good. Even home's good. But the wind's hammering home. Every day the wind gets up and... Yeah, it's a pain in the ass because it blows right the length of the billabong, so it's, it's hard to get out of it. Also, there was a report. I heard a report. There was a 98 caught off Cahills on Sunday night. So there's plenty of big fish out there by the sound of it still. If you got the ticker, mate. Good on you, Buddha. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rocky. Okay. Talk to you later, mate. No worries. We might see you out there. I said, I'm really sore. I need a special massage. I've been fishing, flicking all day. It was a slow process. So lots of jumping around, <laughs> lots of squealing. Disgraceful, really. Tales from the Tinny. Well, Rocky and I have come out to the Burbs to bail up the legendary Wazza Smith of Melville Island, but bloody hell, we set off the neighbourhood dogs. 
Smithy, how are you going? Yeah, good mate. Uh, the dogs have made me welcome. as things? Well, look at this brute's going to take us out as well. He's friendly. He won't hurt you, that one. Good to see you, mate. I'm good. How are you, Wazza? Good, thanks, Rock. Much better than that other guy you bring out. I'll get a hug off, Rocky. It doesn't feel strange. What about me, mate? I miss out. <laughs> right, we better leave these uh, neighbourhood dogs in peace. We might head out the back, was it? Rightio. So, guiding the Tiwis, for quite a while now, we got a photo on the tinny recently of a guard croc in front of a couple of your boats. You'd see some good sights over there, no doubt. You do, Rob. That was a pretty good one. We drove down to the launching area in the morning, and the croc was sitting there. It was cold, and he wasn't going to move anywhere. The clients weren't moving anywhere. They were happy in the car. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we got out and tried to move him, but he didn't want to go anywhere. But, yeah, so anyway, he mucked around for a while, and eventually I think I kicked some sand in him. He did move, and the clients were still a bit worried about walking down the ramp to get into the boats, but it was all good, good fun. How's the fishing been? The fishing's been pretty good. It has slowed down a little bit since the cold weather, but we're still catching fish. We still get to pick up some nice ones, and every now and then you find a new spot or something and get some nice fish, yeah. You've uh, poked into a bit of new territory just recently, I believe. I did. I've spent 15 years of my life out there and fished a couple of the creeks, and I've always wanted to go way up the top of one of the creeks in particular, and the wind's made it a little bit hard to get there, but eventually I got there the other day. We got there, and the water at the mouth was awesome, beautiful and green, and as soon as we started fishing, there was just barrows everywhere. But... I didn't want to fish the mouth, I wanted to go right at the top, which is probably about a 20k run, and um, I was trying to work out how to say to the boys in the boat. Oh, you, you are going to get them to leave fish to go on a wazza adventure. You're catching fish, but I want you to stop catching fish and we're going to go for an adventure <laughs> where I don't even know if there's going to be fish there or not. Was anybody protesting about moving, you know, you don't leave fish to find fish? No. I know, you're exactly right though, Rock, and it's, dead, it's a stupid thing to do to leave fish to find fish, but we did that. Officially, with, with um, paying punters. I was happy though, Rock, because they were the right sort of guys and they were keen for an adventure. I said, no one's ever been there, which is possibly quite true. So off we went, travelled all the way up the creek, and it got narrower and narrower, and then finally we got down, it was about five metres wide, and the water got dirty, and I was thinking, oh no, we're blowing it. And then we come out, and it was like a big floodplain. The only way I could explain it would be like, the top of the South Alligator in the, in the wet season runoff. There was no features or anything much, and I'm going, oh, I don't know. So I said, just have a flick at anything that looks remotely fishy. So we started flicking, and all of a sudden, one of the boys got a mangrove jack, and I went, oh, yeah, that's all right. And then I was looking around, I thought, yeah, there's heaps of mullet up here, so there's lots of bait. Eventually, I just let the boat run into the reeds, and the boys started casting, and all of a sudden, we started getting barra, 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 jack, jack, barra, barra. And then we've got a queenfish and a trevally. And I'm like, wowza, what's going on up here? Because <laughs> I've seen the photo. It does look like floodplain territory. You wouldn't have expected to get queenies up there, would you? Never, ever. I was just, I was amazed that they were there. Awesome. And we probably got like 60 fish for the day. And that just, the boys loved it. And it was just something, there was buffaloes walking through the water around us. But like you said, Rob, you wouldn't expect it. This looks so much like freshwater country and little salt water because you don't get queen fish and trevally in, in fresh water. So no doubt there'll be a few more trips up there. Do you think it's going to hold the water up there or is it going to be like other floodplains and dry off over time? I really don't know, Rocky, but my guess is, and I'm only guessing, is that at the end of the year it may dry off. But I'm going to work it next time. I've got this plan in my head. I want a high tide about 9 o'clock in the morning. So when we get up there and the tide starts to run off that floodplain, because the other day that was still all running in and we still caught all those fish. So I can only imagine for all the mullet out over those floodplains, when that runs off, it should be sick. <laughs> there you go. If you're listening somewhere down south and you're looking to book a charter with the legendary Wazza, 
chuck those tied times into your book and get on the phone and, and book a trip. Uh, how does the fishing change over there in the dry as opposed to the, the hotter build-up sort of or build-down months? Well, as you know, I live up here, the wind's their biggest enemy. And June, July, August, we do get wind uh, and it cools down. But we still do catch plenty of fish. An average day out there, we still get anywhere from sort of, we might get 20 or we might get 40 fish. Depends what creek system in, which is good. And, and um, the wind, wind does put some spots out for you that you can't get to because of the wind. And uh, what sort of stuff do you like throwing around? You use the lures for whatever you're fishing. So if you fish a big flat at high tide, you use shallow running lures. I recently found a weed bed was, had, was holding barrels out on an ocean edge. And the only way you could fish them was weedless soft plastics. That worked really well. I think the first barrel that came out of the weed was an 83 centimetre on a frog, and those barrels have never, ever seen a frog in their so, life. Saltwater barra. Saltwater barra on the edge of the ocean, but there was barrels in there, and uh, over a couple of days, I think we pulled about a dozen barrels out. So that was pretty cool too. It was chewy looking, and it moved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we've been talking about uh, dry season camping. It's the time. It's the school holidays. You've got a bit of time off yourself, and you've got a camping adventure going? Yeah, well, I'm about to get my brothers flying up on the night of the 3rd and I'm going to pack the boys up in our camping gear. We're going to head off down through Catherine then drive down the Roper Highway and go all the way to Lorella Springs and we'll spend a week or so exploring down there, different countries. So it's about a million acre station, I think, and um, you've got access to just about all of it. And there's lots of little freshwater streams and that, and you can also access the Rosie River Camp and Secret Creek where you yeah, obviously you can catch queenfish, trevally, probably barras. We'll go for a walk through the rocks and look for some artwork and all, all that stuff. Swimming. I'm going to take cherubin pots and mud crab pots. So we're going to do everything. <laughs> it sounds good, mate. Yeah, and then we'll come back home for a couple of days, regroup, and then we're going to head down around the Douglas Daly, Daly River for another week or so down there. Chasing sooties like you did last year? Love sooties. Though. We all love walking along the banks, catching those sooties and little barrows and tarpons. So, yeah, same as last school holidays. It'll be awesome. This sounds like every kid's dream, but I'd have to say that sounds like my dream too. So if you've got any spare seats and need another <laughs> yeah. kid, I'm, I can be a big kid. <laughs> we could squeeze you in the back there somewhere rock well there's an offer you can't refuse rock yeah cooped up in the back of Oz's wagon with the dog and the kids and the tackle <laughs> that about wraps us up for this territory day cracker holiday adventure camping world edition of tales from the tinny thanks for being aboard rocky it's been a pleasure having you up on the casting deck Oh, it's been, it's been an interesting time. Thank you. <laughs> an interesting, in inverted commas, damned by faint praise yet again. Thanks also to Warren DeWitt, Andrew Veal, Wazza Smith, Buddha, the Mexican potty mullet, Ben Judd from Tebs, the Bush Chook, and the Maddie Chook. I don't know if she, does she go by Maddie Chook? Maddie? Mm, she does now. <laughs> she does now. And uh, Harley, of course, who benefited from the wisdom of the collective chook mob and of course there's Andy Balf, Chrissy Rosevear Steve Penno Pennington Marty Sargent Alan Stevens and uh, Davo the hillbilly sook buy your own boat <laughs> the mule Harsh but fair. <laughs> Rachel Kenner Dwayne Devaney and Adrian from Woolliana. And of course a notable honourable mention out to Nev and KP off on a romantic camping holiday you mob and everybody else 
bung a big Territory Day cracker up here. This has been Tales from the Tinny. We'll see you next week. Yeah.